1: All right, welcome back. You are watching Options Action special coverage of the wild day on Wall Street and in Washington. If you are just joining us, it was indeed a roller coaster day for stocks and your money. Stocks getting slammed around 11 a.m. following an ABC News report that President Trump had instructed former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn to make contact with Russian officials over their involvement with ISIS in Syria. The Dow down 350 points at the lows, the VIX at one point spiking to a three month high. Then a major reversal occurred on reports that Senate Republicans did indeed have the votes to pass tax reform today. And that is where we begin and head down to D.C. and Ilan Mouy with the very latest on a vote that could occur tonight. Ilan.
0: Brian, we are waiting for Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell to take the floor. The latest guidance I've received is that that final vote... Will come about 9 p.m. but it's already clear that republicans have the votes to pass this bill the only republican holdout will be bob corker of tennessee he put out a statement just recently saying that he is disappointed it was a tough vote but that he could not cast aside his fiscal concerns at the end of the day now what is unclear still is exactly what senators will be voting on. We still have not seen the revised version of the tax bill, but there have been a few details that have been leaking out. Among them are the inclusion of the alternative minimum tax, both for individuals and for corporations, Full expensing will also be in place for five years, but instead of expiring immediately, it will gradually be phased out. Now, if the bill does pass the Senate today, the next step will be for it to go to a conference committee that includes members of both the House and the Senate. To give you a sense of how confident Republicans are, the House has already scheduled a vote to pick members of that committee on Monday. Brian, the fun doesn't stop here. It'll continue on until next week. Back right, over to you.
1: Ilana, I know it's been a long day. We appreciate it. Thank you very much. All right. all right. So if you are worried out there about all the D.C. drama and whether or not it might lead to more volatility for your money, how can you, should
2: you, protect your portfolio? Let's get in the money now. Dan Nathan has some ideas. Yeah, so I think today's a really interesting example of how things can turn very quickly. So you talked about the enthusiasm in the lead-up to this vote. You know, the S&P was up 2% at one point yesterday. And in one fell swoop today on, on unrelated news, the stock market fell. And at some point, it had given it all back. Now, obviously, it's recovered. I think the the, the most important thing is, is that if we're going to start to see some headline risks, some volatility after a very low vol year, it might make sense to look for protection. We've just gotten a bunch of tweets about it. Um, and it may make sense to look into January – expiration for one thing. If this tax bill, it looks like it's going to go through, um, investors may try to hold on to some of these big winners into the new year when they're probably pretty certain that tax rates are going to be lower. So to me, I think you just use a put spread in the SPY, the ETF that tracks the S&P 500. And today, I actually bought this spread when the SPY was trading at 264. I looked out to January expiration, and I bought the January 264, 250 put spread, paying $3 for that. I bought one of the uh, January 264 puts for $4.30. I sold one of the January 250 puts at $1.30 that costs me three dollars. It breaks even down at 261, and I can make up to $11 between 261 and 250. So I really like the risk-reward relationship of this trade. Option prices are pretty cheap, although they've ticked up a little bit just this week. I have a chart here, a one-year chart. One of the reasons I picked 250 for a pullback, we have not had a pullback of more than three percent over the last uh, year or so. Um, look at what 250 is right there. It's that early October breakout that happens to intersect with the uh, one-year uptrend, that would be a 5% peak to trough decline from yesterday's highs. I like targeting that over the next five to six weeks. Today's
1: intraday pullback may have been one of the biggest pullbacks overall of the year, incredibly.
3: Yeah, Yeah. no, I mean, I like the strikes that you've chosen here. I think something people need to be aware of is that when, you know, the big question always is when is the top of the market coming? I can't say for sure when that's going to be, but what I can tell you is you are going to see some symptoms that the end is near when volatility starts to creep up, even as prices are hitting new highs. And it's interesting because what happened yesterday, we saw the S&P trading higher and the VIX was, albeit only marginally, was slightly higher. And then today, you know, obviously we saw a big move down, a big move up. When it starts to swing around, you're going to start seeing options, premiums going up. That can support strategies like this. It's interesting that you're looking at a put spread because I was looking at one myself. I was looking at the March 260, 240. I almost put that on before the close today. So I obviously like that kind of a strategy in general since it's something I was thinking of putting on myself. Yeah. We just did a little so-called fast money while you guys were whatever you do before. It was
4: okay. Brian hosted that one as well. But we talked about, and I was shocked, and I don't know how you feel about this, but the fact that on a Friday with all the potential headrun risk over this weekend, VIX closed effectively unchanged. Okay, closed up maybe three-quarters percent or not, but I would have said, if you had told me all this was going to happen today, I would have said the Dow's down at least 500 points and the VIX is north of 15. Well, so I understand why you would want to buy protection. And by the way, to me, there's a lot of scary stuff, but the market doesn't seem to think so.
2: I guess the most important thing that I would focus on is there was some really, there was some massive underlying weakness in some of the big market leaders this week. We saw it in the semiconductors, we saw it in some of the Fang stocks, and I think that's something that makes a lot of sense. I'm just telling you, Wednesday, when the semiconductor index was down 3 4%, and the S&P was actually flat because of the rotation in finance, and industrials and that sort of thing, retail. Um, that was actually really troubling to me. I mean, it's fantastic that the S&P could yeah. be flat, but there is some underlying weakness here.
3: Yeah, I mean, one other quick point, though. One of the things that helps the index stay a little bit more stable than weakness and things like Fang might do is when you start seeing other sectors start to perform a little bit better. Today, that sector was energy. But when you see that happen, what ends up happening is the index isn't going to move around quite as much. And that disguises some of the underlying volatility that you're actually getting. And I think it makes sense, as you've done, to look out to January or beyond, because one of the reasons that the VIX is low is because we've got holidays yeah. coming and, and, up, and I, maybe people aren't to to that. And I just want to make one, on
2: one really important point. So we talk about hedging your portfolio or hedging individual stocks, doing it tactically, not doing it as a program. That would be a huge drag on your uh, returns. This trade is tactical. I'm specifically looking to hold on to the new year. If you're long stocks, this is putting on protection, right, um, in the SPY into the new year. I think we could get a flush early in January where people are saying, okay, all of that uncertainty that we've disregarded for this whole year, I'm actually going to start moving my feet a little bit on it. And that could happen right when we get back after New Year. So I like this trade.
1: All right. As Mike just mentioned, energy was indeed a bright spot in the market today. The energy sector was up about 1% today. And after lagging all year, the group has had a bit of a resurgence as of late. In fact, it's one of the best performing sectors over the last three months. Check out names like Anadarko, Halliburton, which David Seaberg just talked about, Exxon, Chevron, all surging. How should you play the space heading into the end of the year, Mike, if at all? You're the Texas guy.
3: Yeah, I'm uh, I'm inclined to make a play that is mostly domestic. The integrated oil companies are basically a proxy for oil itself. And in the long term, I don't really like that play. Exxon doesn't seem to like that play. That is demonstrated by seeing how much they replenish their proven reserves. But I think the oil services sector, and Halliburton in particular, is probably the best way to make a play. And it's interesting because although you cited the fact that these stocks have done well recently, recently. over Overall, for the year, this is one of the sectors that actually is not trading at its all-time highs. So from a fundamental standpoint, as long as we continue to see a lot of activity, particularly domestically, this is the place that you want to be. I think Halliburton is the most interesting in the space. Probably Schlumberger would be my second. And, you know, when we do, in these cases, see a level – from, in Halliburton's case, 40 was basically yeah, the floor yeah, in this thing. Yeah. So if it broke below that, then obviously all bets are <laughs> off. Guy I Adam,
1: mean, you know how there's a restaurant you go to and the food's not good, and a year later you go back and the, the food you is, you want to give, give it another chance, and they keep going back and it's bad? I feel like that's what's happening with energy stocks, because... Every time we think there's momentum, you want to go back in, right, it's
4: so good, and then you get burned. Sometimes, though, they actually make the turn, and sometimes you are pleasantly surprised, and I think that so. we're on the verge of right now in energy. But this has been happening now for the last two or three months, by the way. I like Halliburton more than Slumberger. Halliburton at 20 times forward earnings to me is a lot cheaper than Slumberger close to 30. And you look at Halliburton's quarter, they report, I think it was October 23rd or so, decent quarter. So into earnings, I believe, in the middle of January, I think for a bullish play on a benign potential tape, I think this thing is going to continue to trend higher. Okay. Mike, what's the trade?
3: The trade here I'm looking at is the January 42 40 put spread. I'm going to be a seller of that. You can collect 50 cents. Now, that may not sound like much, but you're collecting almost 1% per month by selling that. I'm stopped out by buying that 40 strike put to the downside. And basically, you can think about it this way. If it does decline below 42, that's essentially where are going to own it. Your cost base is going to be about 41.5, and you have that 40 insurance basically in the form of that lower strike put. We don't look at selling put spreads that often, but 40 is basically, I think, the floor. If it broke below that, then obviously I'd be a little bit more worried. I'd defer to Guy on whether not a or not that's the gain. danger level. Are you level?
1: saying don't, if, you're, if you're
2: doing this, you're not going to be greedy? This is not a big win. This is a... Well, it's a, it, you a, know, a can, slow let me, burn. Let uh, me get in here. It, it, it's an options trade. I mean, so if you were really convicted and really bullish on Halliburton, you wouldn't just be looking to January, and you wouldn't just be selling a put spread where you could only make. 50 cents. And so, I mean, just but to if be very think it's fair. you
3: grind higher, this is a trade you can do again and again. 0%. It has a high probability of profit. Right. It has much lower risk than either purchasing the stock outright and a fairly good rate of return. And that's really what we're looking for right. here. You know, I typically, when I'm short premium, I'm looking to collect at least 1% Let me ask you of the this. current stock. So, price so
2: in this environment, you know, Halburton Hal tried to buy Baker Hughes a few years ago, right? When when the price of crude was getting, or right before it, that sort of thing. Is there any possibility with these stocks acting so bad? could you have Slumberjay Halliburton? Could you have a merger? Could you have it in this environment? And the only reason I bring that up is that if you really did think that there's potential merger, you know, merger potential, well, list, like Halliburton, you would not want to be short put spreads. You'd want to be long calls or call spreads. Slumberjay
3: Halliburton as a combination, I think, would be the tough one because then you've got the two biggest players yeah. getting together and so I could see your more pressure.
1: If I'm on hearing that. you right, if your point is if you believe there could be a deal, do not do Mike's trade. Well,
2: I would just say that if that was part of your bullish thesis, then you would be, want to be long premium. You want to be long calls or call spreads rather than short put spreads. You know,
3: I think we have a lot of activity in North America, and they're going to profit from oh, that. Speaking of Baker Hughes, you know,
1: GE, the worst-performing stock in the Dow this year, we all know that. The yeah. worst-performing S&P stock is what? Baker Hughes, who's bought by who? GE, yeah. it's been a tough year. They zigged
4: yeah. when it should have that. The, the point is I wonder if there's going to be years. any
1: deal-making in I don't energy. See, I,
4: don't necessarily, I think that ship may have sailed, and I, but I understand what Dan is saying. I think what Dan is saying is that if you're as bullish as we appear to be in Halliburton, why not buy the stock or play it with calls that you might get more bang for your buck instead of just making 50 cents? Is that correct? Sure. So I think Dan makes a coaching point, as he typically does yeah. Fridays at 530 to 6. Thank you. You're Got a question?
1: Send us a tweet to at Options Action. And for everything else, Options Action, go to our website or and sign up for our newsletter. Meantime, here's what's coming up.
4: That's what America is saying about Bitcoin. And we'll tell you how to cash in using options. Plus, chip stocks are getting crushed. And there's something in the charts that suggests even more pain. We'll tell you what that is when Options Action returns.
1: And welcome back to Options Action. Thanks for joining us. It seems like everybody has gone nuts for Bitcoin, the digital currency. It is soaring to highs this week at one point, cracking $11,000. And just this morning, the US Commodity Futures Trading Commission approved Bitcoin Futures for both the CME and the CBOE. The CME is saying that they would launch on December 18th. Bitcoin, despite some eh, shakiness lately, is up nearly a thousand percent. Yeah, a thousand percent this year. How can you cash in on the action?
3: Mike is at the big screen, breaking it down. Uh, Very good news for the exchanges when you start listing products that everybody is excited about. I think it's pretty safe to say that Bitcoin is attracting a great deal of attention. We're going to take a look at selling a put. Why would you want to sell a put? Well, one of the reasons you might want to do that is because you want to buy the stock at a lower price than where it is currently trading. When you sell a put, you're selling somebody else the right to sell you the stock at the strike price. The other reason you would do this is when options are expensive. Now, often when stocks go higher, options premiums go down. CME, that isn't the case. And also because we're looking for higher probability of profit. Let's take a look at CME. We can see that obviously the stock has had quite a run here. And where it really broke out from, in my perspective, is right here, right around the 140 level. Let's pay attention to that. And now let's also take a look at the price of options. And what we see is that they, too, have spiked. So we want to try to capitalize on the fact that options prices are high and have the opportunity to buy the stock at a lower price. So what's the trade? We're looking to January. You could sell the 145 puts for four and a half bucks. Basically, what's going to happen is if the stock declines, it's going to be put to you at 145. Net of the four and a half you collect, your price is going to be 140.50, right about the level where it broke out from. And obviously, the nice thing about this trade is you make profits if it stays here, if it goes higher, and even if it declines a bit.
4: All right, guys. What do you think of Mike's trade? I, I, can I chime in here? Dan, sure. you, what's wrong with you I mean, tonight? I said guys, not, not wrong guys. Wrong I mean, you, you just tonight. talk for a half an hour during Fast Money. So you money, say something. Not no, I can, I'm can, no, I'm just No, that's it. So, it. so real quickly. This is my So this is a really interesting
2: trade. I just want to say this because I heard you talk about CME you before. And you should talk about the company and the valuation. Let me talk about the trade real quickly. I like this put sale because the stock has just run up. Maybe it's run up with enthusiasm about them listing this thing. I think it probably continues to run up into the listing. So if you do this trade next week, you're basically risking $4.50 or about 3% of the stock price there. Uh, or you get put down, what, 9 dollars 5 is the worst case scenario. That's back to where it just broke out. So I think this trade makes sense. Also, you got to think about the fact that we're going to get into holiday trading very soon. You want to be net short premium in that sort of environment. So this, this makes sense if you're bullish on the opportunity. That being said, I suspect it's going to trade with the volatility of bitcoin too. So you may have to have a near term view on that. It is going
3: to a bit. It's interesting. So we have two exchanges that are going to be listing products, the CBO and the CME. It's true as you pointed out, I heard you on Fast Money talking about it, obviously trading about 26 times earnings. It has the growth potential. SIBO, on the other hand is trading around 33 times earnings. So of the two, this is the cheaper way to play it. And if you have the stock put to you at 145 and you were paid four and a half for the privilege of getting the stock there, You're going to own it at a discount. So you're really talking about 24, 23 and a half times earnings? I don't think that's so bad. Right. And at $140 level is the right level, as Dan and
4: Mike both just pointed out correctly. And it probably is expensive CME on valuation. But I also say this. You do have a catalyst probably coming on Monday and Tuesday. That catalyst in the form of November volumes. Now, if you look at October volumes, are up, I think, 14% year over year. My sense is you're going to see similar in November. And I think this trend can continue. Yes, December will be... Historically, a blase month, but I think you're buying on the hopes that things get done. So I like what Mike is doing here. I also do think you can own the stock outright. Own it outright. It's what we said on the fast money, where you just hosted the show. We had a whole conversation about the Chicago mercantile. So, right, that was your, you, we didn't have a whole conversation. Did. That
1: was your final trade. No, my final was trade was, was for the have a second day in a, in a row. Course. You had a minor,
4: small conversation
1: all right, but to, for about well, 12 you know, seconds. seconds. Can I just on the make CME, one, one, one on the Bitcoin futures all right, conversation? Sully,
2: so, one of the reasons why the people are watching this program right here is rather than saying buy a stock at an all time high of 30% in the year, Mike's trade is a way to actually put a placeholder in there. If the stock just sat here for a month, you're going to get paid 3%, okay? If the stock goes to 145, you're going to actually own it 3% lower than that. So to me, I, this is a much better way than getting long right here the at all-time highs. The critical piece
3: here is that if you end up owning the stock, you're essentially going to own it at the pre-news price, yeah. okay? So, And if it doesn't fall back to those levels, you're going to get paid 3%. Yeah. In just over a month, see I'd say Dad, that's pretty you good risk reward. That
4: was so, it, you appear on The Fast Money many times, and you just took a sorry. not so subtle I didn't, no, I love dig the I
2: love, at the whole construct of what we do. My second favorite show on CNN. Let's focus on the things
1: now. We it's do The agree Fast Money, yeah. Yeah. still ahead on The Fast Money. The chip wreck, the semiconductor stocks posting their worst week in two years, and there's something in the charts that suggests that more pain may be ahead. Will break that down. Plus. Big day for the markets overall, so if you have any questions at all, let us know. Tweet us at Options Action. The traders will try to answer them later on in the show. Much more The Options Action right after this. (laughs)
0: Hey,
1: welcome back to Options Action. Time to look back at some of our open trades. Almost one month ago, Dan said there was a chipwreck ahead.
2: I want to look for a trade back towards that September breakout in the SMH, which is back towards 90. I want to look out to January expiration here. Um, And so today, when the stock was trading about 102.5 at an all-time high, I wanted to buy the January 102.90 put spread, paying $3 for that. Dan, you were right in
1: a big way. The SMH, big ETF, just had its worst week in nearly two years. Uh, well, What's your next move, Except though? for
2: one problem, Sully. I was a little early. Uh, and so this was one that was actually really tough. I actually was very convicted on this, and I kind of added to it, um, you know, closer to 105. It got it almost up to 106. So when it did break 100, that was a pretty significant move. It's kind of found um, a little floor here near term, but I think it was a bigger underperformer. So to me, I took a little off, but I'm still in this one. And I actually think we're going to see mid-90s, and hopefully this thing starts to accelerate a little bit to the downside. That being said, I think it could be a great opportunity to get back Back long, mm-hmm. the semi-trade down and specifically the SMH down in the low 90s. So to me, this more to thinking, to I, is more pain ahead in the short term. I think you're so. Saying, yeah. I think so.
1: Guy, would you agree with that? I mean, this has been, this is for the option, just the equity side. This has been one of the hottest sectors in the market, not only from deals galore as well, now, Dan says, we, we may have another, you know, six to nine bucks downside of look the SMH. At,
4: look at how quickly, you know, it up, elevator down. And, and if you look at Micron, for example, here's a stock that sort of grunt, from 35 to 50 was sort of a slow, you know, slow climb. And then it gave it all back in about two and a half, three sessions. Here we are at 42. I think you do it back and in Micron, for example, where we broke out from, which was 38 right around earnings a month, month and a half ago. Dan was spot on. Was he early? Maybe by a day or so. But he had this one nailed. Okay. Moving on a few weeks ago, Mike made a bet that Roku's amazing run was
3: far from done. Here we can take a look at how big this move was. We may get a move as large as this one when we look at the next ring. So what what are we looking at? We're just going to look out to January. And when I was looking at this today, you could sell the January 35 put for $6.
1: Since that call, Roku shares have skyrocketed. This has been
3: a red hot stock, Mike. People are wondering, what do you do now? You know, and this is one of those situations where we've made most of the money anyway that you can by selling that put. I mean, obviously, uh, this is one of the situations, high probability of profit. You could have made six. We've made at least four of it already. It was about 180 at two when I looked at it. I think what you should probably be doing here, this is a highly volatile stock, is taking the money and running. Taking the money and running. That's right.
4: Steve Miller songs, if you recall. Steve Miller from the great state of Wisconsin. So it was take the oh, money and run.
2: It was not take the, the money, money. Can Can I just, and run. One, one really you know what you are? A joker. One really quick point about this. So, this Get was it? an outright put sale. He's had a few yeah. weeks. Now he's taking it off. You don't wait for the last drop of this. And that's the same thing with your Halliburton trade, too, and, and the other exactly ones. Exactly right. Abracadabra.
1: Up next. <laughs> t- you see what I'm doing here, folks? Tweets. <laughs> and the final call. Then we fly like an eagle. All right, let's take a tweet. Frank asks, when is it a better time to roll a profitable position versus taking a partial
3: position off the table, Mike? When you still think it's got room to run, that's when you basically stay in the trade and roll it out. Otherwise, you take some of your profit. Nice. The final call. Keep it on you, Mike. Westlake
2: Chaps, go. Yes, spy. Jan. 264, 250 foot spread. Oh. That's Texas high school stuff, you know, guys. Past,
4: you know, this might be my last appearance on the OA because Dan was not happy with what me this evening. But I if it, it was, it's been a guy. great run. Brian, thanks for being here. I got to tell you, you rock, man. Thank you. My pleasure. And yes, I do. That does it for options action.
0: CNBC has quick and easy to understand business news updates at the open midday and close every weekday. Markets, money, and more from Wall Street to Main Street. I'm CNBC's Jessica Ettinger. Follow and listen to CNBC Business News Updates wherever you get your podcasts.